Hello again. Welcome back to our podcast, a weekly podcast, Thinking About It. If you are new to the podcast, uh, my name is Bob McGregor. And I'm Stan Fowler. And we think about things together, things that uh, are on our minds and sometimes things that are suggested to us, and we never have a shortage. Never. Uh, Stan, today I'd like to uh, think with you, in fact, I'd like some help on this because I've been thinking about it and I've kind of run out of gray matter, Uh, but there just seems to be uh, a question that people are facing today that about globalism, how does the Christian respond to um, movement among the nations that would bring us together for global peace, uh, dealing with climate change, uh, COVID uh, solutions. Uh, you hear more and more about um, the uh, diminishing of, of nationhood and an emphasis on uh, the global community, what kind of politics will that be? How will the resources uh, be uh, shared? And so it's just kind of people imagining a new world order that for many uh, conjures up uh, scenes from Revelation about the Antichrist and one world system, one economy, and whatnot. Yet there seem to be good reasons for the nations to come together and solve COVID and end war that kind of thing. So how does a Christian who reads prophecy uh, interpret and think about these global trends uh, for like the the, the Great Reset, that kind of thing? Well, that should occupy us for three or four minutes anyway, shouldn't it? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, every time time talk about globalism comes up, I, I realize This is not a brand new concern for conservative evangelical Christians. Um, I mean, I still remember as a a teenager in church, during my pastor, speak disparagingly about the United Nations. Mm -hmm. He used to, in fact, he used to jokingly call it the United Notions. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately... (laughs) It would work better if it were the United Notions, if they yeah. really did have a unity of ideas. Mm-hmm. But, but he would tend to, uh, to mock the United Nations. And I'm pretty sure the United Nations showed up in some of the uh, series of sermons on biblical prophecy. Yes, I do recall the flag, the blue flag. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, some of those prophecy charts, uh, some of the speculation about what may be coming down the road. And so, yeah, given the biblical picture of, I, I mean, I think the biblical picture of, of the Re- book of Revelation is that of an end times in which uh, the world is binary. The world's in two camps. I mean, you have those who belong to the Lamb and you have those who belong to the beast, the Antichrist. And, and so it, it is really a binary world. And, and there are images there of, of a kind of ruler, a pagan, ungodly, anti-Christian ruler over the world. And now, at this point in history, we have, we have possibilities for that that are pretty new. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, and, and so we have the obvious, we have an obvious need to be thinking about the whole world. Travel uh, is so much easier. Well, was before 
the pandemic, mm-hmm. travel uh, has become so much more common for all sorts of people around the world. I mean, you and I have both been to Uganda. Um, so, you know, we, we find our way to many places around the world. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has affected the whole world. Um, the Internet mm-hmm. means we have technologically the possibilities of interacting with the whole world in a way we didn't before. So we have to think about it. But the question becomes, how do we think well about it in a way that will have good effects, not bad effects? Yeah, and when we think politically, every, every once in a while I, I read on Facebook how our government is giving something away to um, Europe or the UN or the, uh, the international uh, court. Um, and we're giving away sovereignty. And it, there's a price to be paid for being a member of the international community. And I think this really came to the surface uh, with Donald Trump, who just kind of came out of left field. He wasn't cooperating with uh, the global trends, and he was isolated, and words like nationalist uh, were introduced. For people, what does that really mean? I thought nas- it's good to be patriotic. Well, it's, it's, it's a little more than that. And so we're, we're, we need to think about uh, how does a Christian... Um, think politically about nationhood and our obligation to the nations that's not just charitable, but actually would uh, intermesh us with some of the social and and legal institutions of the UN, for instance. Yeah, and a part of the question there, of course, is to what extent, uh, trying to think as biblically driven Christians, to what extent does, does Scripture answer the question about Nationhood. I mean, Scripture recognizes the existence of ta-ethne, to use the Greek term, the mm-hmm. nations, the distinct people groups. And yet, the biblical picture is that, that we are all joined in our common humanity. We all exist in the image of God. And, and the church is a trans-ethnic, transnational reality. And... And we are to think of ourselves as connected to that worldwide church. So there's already within the biblical picture of the church an impetus toward a certain kind of transnational yeah, but, but people identity. would say that only works if Christ is in the middle of it. Christ right. is the basis of our unity. If you take that paradigm and try to introduce it to the nations per se, you'll end up with a, uh, a demagogue. Well, yeah, you end up with with, uh, all kinds of potential problems. And I think, I mean, the the truth or one of the significant truths that comes out of the whole Antichrist anticipation in Scripture is that if, if you want a really strong connection between the nations, making it actually work in practice may require a strong man, may require authoritarian leadership. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you referred to the, <laughs> the Trump reality in, in the United States. And I think, frankly, one of the things we've seen there is that you, you have the United States as an increasingly polarized nation. You have two Americas, at, mm-hmm. at least, in mm-hmm. many ways. I mean, others have described it in much more detail than, than I can. Um, 
you have a a respected conservative political commentator like David French publishing a book just within the last few months that is addresses the question can we keep from falling apart into two really politically distinct Americas? I mean, it can be that serious. And I think a lot of the attraction for people in middle America about Donald Trump is he's the strong man. He's going to drain the swamp in Washington. He's the anti-establishment type. And and they they appreciate his bombast and and frankly his some of his authoritarian tendencies. But he's the strong man that will protect America the way it was, right? Right. And I think um, the and on the other side of that, there's there will emerge another strong man to bring about the kind of unity that a lot of people are dreaming about right now. So I think in either end, you're going to have strong men, but one will prevail. You are, and, and, and that I think is, is one of the major problems of, of the kind of globalism that seems to be percolating. T- to make it work, to, to make these disparate nations with their very different traditions, with their different philosophies about government, and, and a lot of other things, to make it work, you require force. I mean, that, that's why I think we recognize historically that while something like socialism, or even for the hyper-idealists, the communists, the communism, while hypothetically it sounds so wonderful, we have public ownership of everything, and... Mm-hmm. And everyone contributes as they have ability, and everyone gets what they need. While idealistically, it may sound wonderful, in reality, to make it work, you require authoritarianism. Yeah. And the downside, then, is, is immense. And so, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued by some of the current discussion that's going on. I, I know... I had never heard of the Great Reset until our prime minister mm-hmm. used the language of a reset mm-hmm. within when some of his speeches, and suddenly my, my Facebook feed uh, got ignited with posts about the Great Reset. Uh, it's it, a thing. It, it is a thing. Uh, there is this discussion that has been going on apparently for several years, especially among the elites that gather in Davos, Switzerland, mm-hmm. every year. The World uh, Economic Forum, is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, you know, about some kind of uh, transnational, multinational uh, organizational scheme that will have uh, the effect of transforming the yeah. economies did, of the Do you see the video the that really got a lot of attention? It says, in, in this new world order, you will own nothing— and be happy. Yeah, which is the, uh, I mean, that's in a sense the communist ideal. Um, no private ownership of means of production mm-hmm. and, and property. And yet somehow everybody's going to be happy because we'll make sure from the top yeah. that it all gets filtered down to everybody. So the price of that is freedom. Now, let me, a final right. question, because we're, we're running out of time. Should a Christian 
um, support nationalism? Should, like, America first, Canada first? Is that a kind thing to say? Is that a necessary thing to say? Can you just reflect on that for a few minutes? I think we we probably have precedent for that uh, if we're thinking about the church. I think of what what Paul says in Galatians 6 when when he says, do good to everyone, especially to the household of faith. You, you, you start with those to whom you are genuinely, mm-hmm. strongly connected. Mm-hmm. I mean, you start with your own family. Mm-hmm. And I mean, elsewhere, uh, Paul says in First Timothy 5, if someone doesn't, doesn't care for the members of his right. own family, he's worse than an infidel, worse than an un- unbeliever. So there's a sense in which I, I think biblically we we do recognize a special concern for those to whom we are tangibly uh, connected, and so that'd be true for believers with the mm-hmm. church. But their concern extends beyond them, mm-hmm. and I take it similarly. We we're, we're Canadians. We're part of this nation, and so. We, we have tangible connection for good or for ill to one yeah. another, so we need to think about that first. So when we think about uh, First Nations without water in the far north, living in third world conditions, and at the same time we're giving to African nations and so on, then it's important that we address first our household as Canadians before we do good to the rest of the nations. Not that we ignore that, but there's a priority. Sure, we we have to we have to start there. I mean, we have real connections to one another, and and so we need to care for that. I mean, the caring for the needs of people all around the world is is important, but it's very complicated. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, in our in our desire to do what is good for people all over the world, we may forfeit our ability to really do good to people much closer to home. Um, we need to care for the needs that we can actually care for. Mm-hmm. And, and as in, in God's providence, if our ability to care for wider needs uh, grows, well, then we can do that. But, but we need to start somewhere. And it appears that we need to start at home. Yeah. Well, we'll see how things play out. It does, there does seem to be um, some momentum in that area, and it makes a lot of sense for you know conversation within the nations and cooperation in international law. But there comes a point when I think uh, you would agree that uh, we forfeit our freedoms, and uh, that does introduce the scenario of the last times that concerns me. But that's where we are right now, and we're also out of time. So if we can just uh, say goodbye to our friends until next time. We'll do that. I'm Stan Fowler. And I'm Bob McGregor. Thank you for thinking about this with us. Farewell.